Um, so we are going through a series called Broken Mirrors. And the big idea of this series, the thing that we're saying every week, is that broken people reflect a perfect God. Broken people reflect a perfect God. If you have your LifePoint app, you can always take that out and look at the sermon notes on there, and, and there's even some fill-in-the-blanks and things like that, so just a reminder. But what we go through in this series is if you, it doesn't take very long to, to look through the Bible. And if anybody's doing a Bible in a Year app this year or a Bible in a Year program, you'll notice pretty quickly there's a lot of people in the Old Testament who live very broken lives. The brokenness is very evident from beginning to end of the Word of God. But that brokenness is meant to reflect a perfect God. You know, last week, um, Paul was talking about Cain, Cain and Abel. And specifically, when you talk about Cain, Cain's, Cain's name kind of in, in a roundabout way means chosen one or the special one. And so there's this idea of, of how, and Paul talked about this, how that entitlement kind of worked itself into Cain's life where he thought he didn't need a savior because he was the savior. He was the chosen one. Today we're going to look at a guy named Samson from the book of Judges, and Samson is no less affected by this very similar concept. You know, throughout the Bible we see that names mean something, but I want you to understand here that Samson is not the hero of his own life. God is the hero. It's not his hair, and we're going to go, come to that. But I don't know if any of you grew up in, in Sunday, going to Sunday school, and you had like the flannel charts, and the Sunday school teacher would get out the little flannel people. Well, I remember very distinctly Samson. He was this big, bulky guy, and it kind of reminds me in a lot of ways of, uh, if you've ever seen Beauty and the Beast, Gaston, right? Gaston, he, was, he ate five dozen eggs. That's why he was roughly the size of a barge, right? And in a lot of ways, Samson is kind of like that because Samson is also kind of a misogynistic pig, too. So there's a lot of things that are kind of similar about the two of them, and you'll see it. But what I think that's really interesting here is he is listed in the Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith. So look at me at Hebrews 11, verses 32 and 33. And what more shall I say? For time would fail, would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, and stopped the mouths of lions. One of the things we see here is Samson is listed. He's listed in this hall of faith. And we're going to quickly realize that Samson being listed here almost feels like a mistake. He lives probably one of the most broken lives of anybody in the Old Testament. And I think what I think is really interesting is that there's hope for Samson and there's hope for me and you. So look at, so we're going to focus this today on the core value of reaching priority. Now, you might ask, how in the world does the concept of Samson match up with this concept of the core value of reaching priority? And the answer is, I struggled with it too. 
But I'm going to tell you this morning, I think, I think there's, there isn't a solution here. Reaching priority means that we are missionaries. We do whatever it takes to reach the one. Now, when I say the one, and those of you who have gone to Discovering Life class, you know this phrase, you've seen this or heard this before. When we say the one, what we're talking about is everybody, every single person that I know who is a believer in Jesus Christ has at least one person in their life who they constantly and consistently pray for and try to reach out to with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's that person, and and I'm, I'm guessing you're picturing that person in your mind right now as I tell you that. There's always somebody in our lives, and it's our responsibility to go to them with word and deed and and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this morning, as we talk through Samson and his broken life, one of the points I want to make is, if Samson can be saved, then no one is truly without hope for eternal salvation through faith. No one is without hope. Each and every one of us are given the same opportunity, that opportunity to place our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. But let's look at Samson's life. So turn with me, if you would, to Judges 13, 1 through 5. Before you do that, let's open up in a word of prayer. God, we pray that you would be with us this morning as we study your word. Um, We're thankful for all those who brave the elements to get here. I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to what you have to say to us this morning, and that you would be glorified through it. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at Judges 13, 1 through 5. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them to the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. There was a certain man of Zorah, of the tribe of Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born, born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. And therefore, be careful and, do not, and drink no wine and strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child will be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. So we see something that's happened a few times in the Bible, which is you have a, a barren woman, and we can see this in Sarah, we can see this in, in lots of different people throughout the Bible, but the angel, an angel of the Lord comes to them and says, I know you're barren, but you're going to have a child. And sometimes it comes with special instructions, and in this case, it comes with a lot of special instructions. Because not only is Samson supposed to obey all the Israelite laws, he's also supposed to obey a Nazarite vow, which is like Israelite laws and extra. So he's not supposed to drink any alcohol. He's not supposed to, and that was okay if you within Israelite laws that you were able to drink alcohol, but but not get drunk, right? So, but that was part of that, and you couldn't obviously you couldn't sleep around. You couldn't marry him foreign people because God knew that that would draw their hearts away from God. But on top of that, Samson wasn't able to cut his hair. There were a lot of things he wasn't able to eat on top of the normal Israelite laws. So Samson was like extra Israelite. 
And the thing is that when we see Samson, what we're going to see most notable about him is his physical strength. Samson is arguably the strongest person to have ever lived on the face of the earth. And we'll see some examples of that. And, and you see some of this happens throughout the Word of God. You see different people, and they have different things or accolades given to them. Moses was the most humble man to ever live. But in the light of that, Moses, being the most humble person to ever live, he, he actually wasn't able to get into the promised land because of a very prideful act. Solomon, who is the wisest man to ever live, in all of his wisdom, couldn't avoid, couldn't help himself do very unwise things and chase after false gods. King David, a man after God's own heart, great guy, except for the fact that he stole his best friend's wife and killed his best friend. Samson, likewise, in all of his physical strength, showed tremendous weakness. And what I think that, that tells us is something important. Look with me at 1 Corinthians 1.27. But God shows what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God shows what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Extraordinary gifts extraordinary talents. Maybe you're here and you have the, the fantastic ability to sow. You sow better than anybody else in the world. What is your responsibility with that gift? It's the same one that everybody else has, including these people in the Word of God. That brings us to our next point. All that we have and all that we are, all that we are best at, isn't for us. It's for the glory of God. Every single thing, every gift, every talent, every ability, the, anything that's been given to you, even being good at your job, all of that is for the glory of God. Samson was given strength, but that was for the glory of God. And we'll see how he used that. He's a lesson for us all. I can tell you this much, though. You know, I, I became a believer in Jesus Christ at an early age. And I can't even number on both hands the number of times in my life I, by my own strength, chose to live apart from God's grace and God's glory. Doing things out of my own strength, out of my own confidence, out of my own abilities not doing things to glorify Him. It's very easy to do. And that's true of Samson, too. Look with me at Judges 14, 1-4. Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, is there not a woman among the daughters of, the, of your relatives or among all of our people that you must go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. 
His father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord, and he was, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. You know, one thing that's true in the Old Testament, we don't see a lot of, we don't always see a lot of commentary. You know, Samson doing something that was unlawful to the Israelites wasn't something that God would approve of. It was disobedience. But what we do see often is that God uses everything for his glory. It is in his great sovereignty that he accomplishes amazing things. He takes things that maybe somebody did incorrectly or disobediently, and he uses them for his glory. You know, he wasn't supposed to marry a non-Israelite. And you kind of see his parents kind of in a wishy-washy way um, protest this a little bit. Why did you want to marry a Philistine woman? Couldn't you find a woman, a nice young lady to settle down with here in the Israelite world? But he said, no, get her for me. I want that woman. And clearly, he didn't know her, so he was choosing solely on the basis of external appearance, and he chose poorly. His lack of integrity and his lack of, disobe- his lack of obedience doesn't mean he didn't fulfill God's purpose in the midst of all of that. Look with me at Judges 14, 5 to 9. Then Samson went down with his father and his mother to Timnah, and they came to the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, a young lion came towards him, roaring. The Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. But he did not tell his father or mother what he had done. And then he went down and talked with the woman, and she was right in Samson's eyes. After some days, he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of a lion. Behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. He scraped it into his hands and went on, eating as he went. And he came to his father and mother, and he gave them some, and they ate. But he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey from the carcass of a lion. Gross. It's pretty disgusting, isn't it? Now, one thing to notice here is Samson's enormous strength. You know, you know, if you look this up, there is no evidence of any other time in history where an unarmed human being goes against a lion and wins. But not that, even more than wins, tears them apart. So you can see his enormous physical strength. But notice that it says the Spirit of the Lord rushed on him. That strength didn't come from him. It didn't come from his hair. It didn't come from the number of eggs he ate every day. It came from the Spirit of God. That strength wasn't his. It didn't belong to him. And that brings us to our next point, that Samson is not the hero of his story. And likewise, you're not the hero of yours. You know, movies everywhere will tell you to be the hero of your own story, or people might say that, or might say, be the main character of your own story. I want to tell you, we need to take ourselves out of that position. Let God be the hero of your story. 
Let him hold sovereignty over your life. Let him get the glory for who you are and what you're doing. The Holy Spirit came upon Samson. Samson fought the lion with his bare hands, and he ripped it apart. Now, what he does next is a little bit weird. So he's coming back days later, and what you need to understand is that as an Israelite, you would defile yourself by touching a dead animal. Now, there's a reason why all of God's laws exist. A dead animal would be full of bacteria, absolutely full of it, disgusting, and could make you very sick. So many of the rules of the Word of God in the Old Testament were for the benefit of His people. And so Samson, disregarding of all rules, decides, you know what, that honey inside that decaying, rotting lion looks pretty good to me. Yum. And he takes some, and he's eating it along the way. And then he gives some to his parents. Now, his parents didn't even ask where it came from. But in the process, he defiles his parents as well. It seems like an odd choice. He's purposely choosing to disregard everything that God has told them because he's hungry. And so he eats the, the honey from, from his, the, the carcass, the rotting carcass of this lion. So we move forward with Samson's story, and I'm not going to tell you all the pieces of Samson's story. So the next thing, we, next thing that happens is he actually goes down there to marry this woman. They have this, uh, they have this, this week-long feast. Now what happens in, the, in this time during the ancient Middle East is you would have a week-long wedding festival, and you weren't really married until you consummated the marriage on the last night of the festival. But up until then, it was a big party. And the first night of this party is clearly, clearly like a bachelor party. And the guy who's like his best man is there. And he clearly seems to be getting drunk and makes a big bet. And this bet is, has something to do with a riddle. And the riddle has everything to do with the lion and the honey. Only he would know the answer to this question. So it's a trick. And Samson thinks he's outsmarted everybody. But his one weakness is his fiance gets the information out of him. And then he tells them and he loses the bet. Then he does something really strange. And um, he uh, lights a whole bunch of foxtails on fire and sends them through the through the fields, really kind of strange, but cripples the, 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 econo- the economy of, of the Philistines at the moment. The harvest is gone, and, and they're mad about it, obviously, and they come to him with a thousand men and say, come on, come with us peacefully. The Spirit of the Lord rushes on him again, and he takes a donkey bone and kills a thousand men with a donkey, the jaw of a donkey bone. I mean, that's craziness. It just shows... This, the power of the Spirit of God on him. So later, he has some issues where he visits a couple different prostitutes. Um, I'm sure he's doing that just to have a nice sit-down dinner with them. He doesn't intend on staying the night. He was just, it was all innocent, I'm sure. So he visits this Philistine prostitute, and they notice that he's come, and he's just killed a thousand of them with a donkey bone, jaw of a donkey bone, and, and he, you know, he's staying the night. They wake him up in the middle of the night, 
And he, he goes out and takes the city gate and the doors and all, lifts them out of the ground and walks hundreds of yards, if not more. Some commentaries might say miles. This is thousands of pounds. Again, just seeing Samson's strength. And then he meets, and this is the most famous of stories of, this, of Samson's life. He meets a, a lady named Delilah. Delilah is likely also a prostitute. In fact, even worse, she is like her, her name makes it, makes it almost as though she is a temple prostitute. If you know anything about temple prostitutes, the whole concept is sleeping with them is, it amounts to worship of a false god. So at best, he's a philanderer. At worst, he is a blasphemer of our God. Not going well for Samson. He clearly has a weakness for the Philistine women. So the Philistine leaders come to him, come to Delilah, and offer her thousands of, hundreds of thousands of dollars if she betrays him. Finds out what his weakness is. I think they were thinking something easy, something simple. Like, what if we just give him some donuts? Maybe that'll take away his strength. Maybe we revoke his YMCA membership. I don't know. But he gives them bogus answers all along the way. Like, hey, why don't you tie me up with brand new ropes? None of those work. So this is where we see Judges 16, 15 to 21. And she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she presses, presses him hard with her words day after day, which tells you something about how long their relationship went on, and urged him, his, his soul was vexed to death. And he, came, he, he told her all his heart. And said to her, A razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, he set, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, come, upon, come up again, for he has told me all his heart. The lords of the Philistines came up to her, brought the money in their hands, and she made him asleep on his knees, and he, she, called him, she called a man to have him shave off the seven locks of his head. And then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. He awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. The Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles, and he ground mill at the prison. So Delilah lays a big guilt trip on him, says, you say you love me, but why won't you tell me where your strength comes from? I'm not sure why he didn't see through this trick all along. Maybe he was blinded by his love for her. But the thing is that I think, my theory here is that Samson believed that the power came through his hair. And so when he tells her his heart, he thinks he's telling the truth. And the worst part about that is it's blasphemous to God because that's not where his, hair came, his strength came from. His strength 
did not come from his hair. It came from him, came from God. And in the final act of disobedience of Samson's life, he cuts his hair. And then it gets worse for him. He thinks he's going to wake up and be like he was before, but he's not. All his strength is gone. He's just as weak as any other human being. And they take him prisoner and gouge out his eyes. And that brings us to our next point this morning. It is not until Samson loses his sight that he truly starts to see God. It's not until he loses his sight that he starts to see who God really is. To see where his power came from. To see where his might came from. All those moments where he thought he was full of himself and he thought he could, he could do it, they were all gone. In a moment. And now he's completely put to shame. He's at rock bottom in his life. I don't know if you've ever been at rock bottom. I've been there. I know what that feels like. It's tough. You feel like there's no hope. But I want to tell you that God is there in the midst of that. You see, Samson, blind, now a slave, being mocked. The good news is that's not where his story ends. And being at rock bottom, that's not where our story ends either. When all hope is lost, in the darkest moments, God's light shines the brightest and his presence is more felt. It's in that moment where God has removed all the, the safety nets all the, the different things that you felt like kept you safe, it's in that moment when, where His grace is most profound, where He is connecting with you, where He is standing beside you, calling, him to, calling you to Himself. And in that moment, if you're paying attention to it, His presence is most felt. He is there with you, weeping alongside of you, because he loves you. He does not intend for your harm. He does not intend for your destruction. He is doing everything for your good and his kingdom. And in those moments where we feel like we're at rock bottom, his forgiveness is there waiting. His grace is there waiting. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like, though I have a strong faith in Jesus Christ, I live days, even weeks at times sometimes, forgetting all about that. Trying to fill the God-shaped hole in my heart with something else, whatever that is. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're here, like that. You're here going through that right now. And I want to tell you, that's not where your strength comes from. It's not where your peace comes from. It's only going to come through Jesus Christ. You know, the good news is this isn't the opportunity for Samson to fail. 
this is the opportunity for Samson to succeed. Let's go through the rest of his story. Judges 16, 26 to 30. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that, that I may lean against them. And now the house was full of men and women, and the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on, on while Samson entertained. And then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me, please strengthen me only this once. O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, and his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon the people who were in it. And so the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. I want you to take special notice to verse 28, where it says that Samson prayed to the Lord. Why is that important? It's the first time in Samson's story that he prayed to the Lord. The very first time where he says, God, I know where my strength comes from now. It didn't come from me, but I know your power and your strength and just give it to me one more time so I can bring down the house. It is in this moment where Samson places his faith in God and the reason why his name is in Hebrews 11. You know, I want to encourage you that those people that you're praying for in your life, I bet none of them have as messed up a life as Samson. I mean, maybe they do. But I want you to pray for them. I want you to see the value in that. And I want you to understand God's calling on our lives for reaching the lost. Look with me at Matthew, at Matthew 28, 18 to 20. I know you're familiar with this passage, or you probably are. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. How do we fulfill the objective of reaching priority? Well, we have to become missionaries in every way possible. Let me say it like this. Proclaim the gospel of Christ wherever you are and send missionaries and unreached to unreached people groups or make the decision to go to unreached people groups. Let me explain what this means. Um, there is something, if you've never heard of it, called the 1040 window. In the 1040 window, approximately 3.2 billion people live. To give you some idea of the math, that's 40% of the Earth's population that lives in a very small area that, from the, the latitudes of 10 to 40. In this area, in Asia, 3.2 billion people live, and of them... Nearly 0% proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
In fact, for this area, you could easily be born, live your entire life, and die without ever even meeting somebody who is a believer in Jesus Christ, let alone hear the word of God, let alone put your faith in him. So what role will you play in reaching the lost? What role will you play in reaching the one in your life? Maybe what this means, if God's working on your heart about it, is in your life group, you need to be the serve the city person to help us reach out to the people and partner with people, ministries in our own town. Or maybe you're called to go on a short-term trip. LifePoint has a number of short-term trips that go out every year. You can find it by going to lifepointohio.com forward slash missions. Easy. Bunch of stuff out there. There's a lot of ways to become involved in missions. Maybe you become a supporter of missionaries who are going out to that area, or maybe even God is calling you to go. We praise God for all who go, right? And the fact is that these people will never hear the word of God if somebody doesn't go. Let me ask you this. Who's the hero of your story? Who's the hero of the biggest story to ever exist on the face of the earth? That is Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to allow Jesus to be your hero. You know, as I was thinking about this message, one of the things I kept thinking about was, what if, what if this is the, the last time I ever get to teach and stand in front of a congregation and preach the Word of God? Well, if it is, then I want to do like Samson did, go out bringing the house down, tearing down whatever strongholds are in people's lives, go out with a bang. But what about you? What if today were your last day? What if today was the last day you ever had to live on earth? What would you do differently? Who would you reach out to? How would you love people differently? I want you to think about how you can bring the house down in your life. How do you glorify God making big sacrifices for Him? And I don't know what that looks like for you. Or maybe you're just going through a difficult spell, a dark valley where you just need to be reminded that Jesus is your hero, that he is the shepherd, that his rod and his staff will comfort you through this valley. He won't leave you or forsake you. His promises are true. No matter what your situation is here this morning, if you have a need and you have some, something that you want people to pray over, today, at the end of, after I get done praying, I want you to take that opportunity and go back to the back and talk to the Next Steps team. Have them pray with you. 
They're good listeners. They'll just pray with you and they'll talk to you and encourage you. And maybe that's exactly what you need today. Would you pray with me? God, you are the hero of our lives. We are not that hero. We want you to be glorified in our lives above all else, above our skills, above our talents, above our abilities. We want you to be glorified, and God, we want to make our days count. We want to make every day count for your glory, and we want to do our absolute best. Maybe we are like Samson in our lives, experiencing life with our own strength and not realizing where our strength comes from. Or maybe, God, we're going through that dark valley where Samson noticed who you really were. I pray, God, that you would be with us. You'd walk beside us. You'd encourage folks this morning to place their faith in you as their only means of salvation, as their only hero. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.